0: Hello and welcome to the ICANN Community Church podcast with me, your host, Bishop Wayne Malcolm. ICANN Community Church is situated in London's East End and comprises a youthful and diverse congregation. For details, visit our website at www.icancommunitychurch.com. But now, join us in one of our live services where I'm teaching transformational truths from the Bible.
1: reading, Joseph is standing before the Pharaoh, having just interpreted his dreams, or his nightmares. If you're familiar with the story, you'll know that the Pharaoh had nightmares. I mean, serious nightmares. When you actually read the stories, if you had them, you'd you'd want to see a counselor as well. He saw seven fat cows. Then seven thin cows, malnourished cows. The seven malnourished cows ate the fat cows and stayed malnourished. That's called a nightmare. Is that right? He had a similar dream about wheat. Similar dream. Nightmares. These were obviously reoccurring dreams. So he couldn't get them out of his head. Every time he fell asleep, the dreams. And he wanted, he needed an interpretation. And none of his wise men, none of his counselors, none of his soothsayers, none of his magicians, none of his necromancers, none of his sorcerers and stargazers were able to give him a satisfactory explanation for his dream until his butler said I know a man I know a man who's so accurate in his interpretation of dreams because he accurately interpreted my dream and the dream of your baker who is now deceased Pharaoh said where's the man who's the man, where's the man well he's in prison bring him out of prison Joseph came out of the prison shaved, changed stood before the Pharaoh spoke truth to power told him the meaning of his dream he effectively said Pharaoh good times are ahead of you in fact seven great years of abundance, prosperity plenty and more but they will be followed and consumed By seven years of famine and drought. And they will so consume the former years that you won't even remember the good times. Has anyone ever been there before where you've been in such bad times that you can't remember ever having any good times? Well, Joseph told Pharaoh, this is what's going to happen. So Pharaoh wanted to know, what can we do about this? So here we pick up the reading. Verse 33. If you could see it, would you say amen? Amen. Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this. Let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part. Everyone say the fifth part. Of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities and that food shall be for store everyone say store, store. to the land against the seven years of famine store against the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt and the land, that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this? A man in whom the Spirit of God is. A man in whom the Spirit of God is. Woo! A man in whom the Spirit of God is. And I I think it... Almost ironic that we are celebrating the birthday of the church, the descent of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the life of a believer. But I want you to notice that according to Pharaoh, what tells me how spirit filled you are? Y'all ain't gonna help me. According to Pharaoh, what tells me how spirit-filled you are is not the multiplicity of languages that you can speak in worship, but it is the wisdom that you can exercise in the world. Oh, help me now. That was so good that I have to say it again. If only for myself. Can we find such a one as this? A man in whom the spirit of God is. What made you think Pharaoh. That the spirit of God is in Joseph. Because of the wisdom he exercised in the world. And so. I am persuaded. That the spirit filled life. The spirit filled life is a strategic life a purposeful life an intentional life a smart life a wise walk and I will be speaking into the subject of biblical economics from the subject believe the prophets believe the prophets would you lift your hands in the presence of God let's pray. Sweet Holy Spirit of the living God, we rely on you for wisdom, direction, instruction, strategy, solutions, invention, innovation, creativity. We are looking to you now to speak to us, empower us, enable us, equip us, strengthen us, be glorified in us in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth we have prayed all the people said "Amen." amen amen how beautiful so I want us to notice that Joseph's wisdom created an opportunity for him to serve at the highest level in the kingdom of Egypt. Thus making wisdom the principal thing. And with all your getting, says the Proverbs, get understanding. Wisdom is the way to wealth. And any wealth acquired without wisdom will be a destructive force in your life, not a constructive force in your life. Any material wealth that does not match the internal wisdom of your mind and of your heart will not only deceive you lull you into a false sense of security but will fail you on many levels it will fail to satisfy it will fail to fulfill it will fail to express it will fail to liberate it will fail to secure because we must First become the internal equivalent of the things we desire in life. So that we can fit the future we envisage. You have to become a match for your mission. This means going to work on yourself harder than you work on yourself. We have to work harder on ourselves than we do on our stuff because if your circumstances clash with your psychology, your psychology will always overpower your circumstance. Bend your circumstance and twist it until it matches the person you are internally. Which is why wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom with all your getting, get understanding, because if you are wise, you will become wealthy. But if you are wealthy, that will not guarantee that you become wise. Which is why Solomon, in his prayer, with his blank check, asked for wisdom. He understood that wisdom was a source, a fountain a reservoir, a mine out of which so many gems so much resource can ultimately flow Joseph's wisdom put him in position I even like the wisdom in his in his recommendations to Pharaoh You need to find a man who's wise and discreet.
0: Nudge, notch. (laughs) Wink, wink.
1: (laughs) Then you need to set him over everything, put him in charge of everything. That's what you need to do, Pharaoh. Very wise. And according to Pharaoh, this was evidence that the Spirit of God is in him. I come from a school of thought which suggested that there is only one evidence that the Spirit of God is in you. I think some of you know what I mean. And we looked forward to that day, we encouraged that day, we celebrated that day, we prayed for that day, and when that day happened, that's it, the Spirit of God is in me. But according to Jesus, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to teach you all things. If your Holy Spirit isn't teaching you anything, I suggest you spend a little more time in the altar. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he is going to show you things to come. If your Holy Spirit isn't giving you foresight and insight, I suggest you spend a little more time in the altar. In other words, there's real benefits to the Spirit-filled life. And it is it is the fact that you access a divine mind that you access omniscience that you access God's ways God's wisdom that becomes light or a lamp to your feet and a light to your pathway helps you make the best decisions the best choices to have enough foresight to know what to avoid or what to seek to obtain that's the evidence of a spirit filled life and as many as are led by the spirit of God they are the sons of God let's not um, let's not kid ourselves with an infantile theology remember this now an infantile theology which says if God is leading me then God is leading me into beautiful circumstances all the time God was leading Joseph when he went to the prison, and God was leading Joseph when he came out of the prison. Because God leads us into circumstances that are meant to refine us, never to define us. Preach, Bishop. I refuse to be defined by my circumstance, but I am ready to be refined. By my circumstance. Melt me. Mold me. Shape me. By my circumstances. But I will be defined only by. His word. To me. So God led. Joseph down a path. The path was there. For his correction. And. Perfection. And in many cases, his protection. The path you are on is designed to correct and perfect you. Does this making sense to anyone? If your path isn't challenging you, (laughs) convicting you, correcting you, perfecting you, it's not a divine path. Because the path of the just is like a shining light that shines more and more. You're getting better as you go. But sometimes the path is there to protect you. Lord help. To protect you not from your obvious enemies. But from the enemies that you do not know are enemies. And sometimes God has you hidden for a season. I tell people, don't be in a hurry to get out of the oven. Brown doesn't mean baked. (laughs) This is good preaching, Bishop. Brown doesn't mean baked. And there are some ovens I have tried to get out of and it's like God wouldn't let me out. And I thought it was the devil, I'll
0: take authority over this, authority over that. I bind it, I bind it, I plead the blood, use the name. It's not working. Sometimes you have to say, Hold on a second, maybe I am being hidden as an act of divine protection, and incubation of my imagination for the day
1: of my destiny. And maybe I need to make the most of where I am and become better here and use my gifts in this space, even though it's a small confined space, it's a prison, but I'm going to use my gifts here. I'll interpret dreams here. I'll be a leader here. I'll do this here until the day that God sees me to open the door and bring me into the arena of greatness. At least I will be ready for greatness. Is a heavier burden than failure. Let's be real. You think failing is hard, succeeding is even harder. I don't like conspiracy theories. But some people become everything they wanted to be mm-hmm.
0: and then are looking for a way out yeah.
1: because it's too much pressure. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Sometimes when you're looking for a way out you might let the little guy box <laughs> you around. That's another story. <laughs> I don't like conspiracy theories but
1: I, I, I have lost count of the preachers who aspire to the highest positions got near the highest positions and are looking for a way out because the responsibility that comes with success the lives that hang in the balance when you are at the top The
0: expectations of many people become an even darker prison
1: than the prison of failure. If you don't use the prisons of seeming failure to build your capacity to withstand public opinion, criticism, rejection, accusation. You have to learn to deal with it now because if you can't deal with it now, how will you deal with success? You're the kind of person that's, I'm leaving the church. Why? Because someone don't like me. Good luck with that. When you find the place where someone, where, when you find the place where everyone likes you you have found that park bench where derelict individuals are drunk on methylated spirits and just love everyone (laughs) but as you move on in life understand that being at the top will make you the topic of conversation understand that haters and hate is real Understand that everyone smiling is not happy for you. Understand that some people's psychology is so twisted that your win equals their loss. And the more you're winning in their mind is the more they're losing. Every post you make upsets their day. Every post you make changes the flavor of their tea. If you're on holiday, they're in hell. They don't even know you. in hell because you're on holiday. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope it's not you. <laughs> <Twisted>. <laughs> you know. You know when you're ready to win because you're happy about other people winning. <laughs> had some help in here you know you're ready to win. You know that your next car is coming when someone else gets the car and you're like, go bro. Love it. I'm so happy for you. I'm happy for you because I don't feel like I'm losing anything. I've lost anything. I know that mine is on the way. And I'm glad you went ahead of me because you're going to teach me things that I need to, to know that that, that that you know, I would have fallen into certain pitfalls had you not gone ahead of me. So I'm excited about everyone that's winning on any level in life. And if you're winning economically, not only do I like you, not only do I admire you, but actually I want to learn things from you. I'm listening to you. I'm not trying to teach you. I'm trying to listen to you because you've learned something that I think is probably a transferable skill. And I'm happy for you and I'm excited because I'm confident in who I am and in where I'm going. And I said all that to say this, that you cannot attract what you attack. if you're busy attacking the rich know that money is running from you it's going to get deep it's going to get political up in here because we get indoctrinated very early on to not only suspect the rich, mistrust the rich but to despise the rich and to subtly desire their downfall it's okay to laugh when the mighty fall it's okay to stick in the boot when the mighty fall and not realizing that the group mentality that has got you thinking that way has already claimed you as one of theirs as at the bottom that's why you're able to have no empathy for anyone at the top and Um, I said that to say that uh, that you are not going to attract what you attack but you are going to begin to attract what you admire and it is not riches that we admire but it's the wisdom that creates the wealth that we admire and when someone through wisdom has taken their life from the bottom to the top You've got to salute that and say congratulations. Uh, I admire you because you started with nothing but a dream. You started with nothing but imagination. You started with nothing but energy. You started and you built something that's outstanding. I'm not going to attack you. Uh, I, instead, I'm going to admire yeah. because I have the philosophy of abundance. I have a I have a worldview that is abundant, not a worldview that is scarce the doctrine of scarcity is the original doctrine of satan in the garden of eden and the doctrines of abundance is what god taught to adam god taught adam that you live in an abundant world in which there is more than enough for everyone to have more than enough and when everyone has had more than enough there will be more than enough left over so if someone has got something don't feel like you're losing something don't buy into the idea of winners and losers understand that you can live in a win-win reality in which your success empowers other people to succeed and does not diminish their opportunities of achieving success and you've got to decide sometimes where you're coming from in your political theory because some people's theory is simply this that you can make the poorer richer by making the richer poorer and i know you're looking at in that accent and that tone of voice because that is your theory. And that's okay. You are entitled to your opinion. You have a right to be wrong. <laughs> I've got the mic. It's my turn now. Let me finish. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you make the, the poor richer by making the rich poorer. I think sometimes we <laughs> creates... <laughs> Legal, political, governmental environments that obscure the signposts, the signposts, the way that the ways out of poverty can be so difficult to find. And I think it is our job to not only disseminate information, but to also signpost the way. And I think it's tragic when someone gets out of whatever they were in. That they keep it all to themselves. Almost as though they climbed up the ladder. And when they got to the top, they looked back at the others at the bottom and said, ha ha! And then kicked the ladder aside and said, you know, I had to make it by myself. Now you make it by yourself. It's amazing how many parents even parent like that. Like when I was your age, I had to do this, I had to do that, I had to do that. Now you need to go out and do all of that, 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 that. No, no, no. What we need to be doing is passing on knowledge, passing on information, passing on strategies, passing on secrets. Because if you can take a good idea and exploit it. Come on now, then perhaps you too can come up. And if any one of us comes up, every one of us comes up. So we need to be in the business of pushing everybody up. Because if any one of us is making it, in some sense all of us is making it. And there becomes a net benefit to any one of us making it. And I feel like there's a one of us, at least here today, that's going to make it. And I just want that one person to shout, Amen! make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I wish I had some people in here today that are feeling what this preacher is saying. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Mind's made up. I'm going to make it. So I'm going somewhere today. I'm going to get, that's context. We're going to start to get strategic. Joseph enabled the Pharaoh to survive a recession. What do I mean by a recession? Recession occurs when your economy is contracting, not expanding. When your, when your GDP is, is shrinking and your, your outputs are diminishing and your ability to fund vital services is being strained. And opportunities are scarce, and incomes begin going down while the cost of living starts going up. That's what happened in a famine in an agricultural society. When there's drought, there's no produce. If there's no produce, there's no prosperity. If there's no, if there's a lack of produce, prices go up, and if prices go up, then the rich tend to survive it, and the poor. Be, Literally get left behind and now we've got tension because of that state of play because the poor are watching the rich eating and they are starving. So eventually the poor will mobilize, organize, centralize, rush the palaces of the rich and take what they need to survive. And when you are in an economic recession, there will always be social tension that emphasizes distinctions, division, and separations of people based on race, ethnicity, yes. genders. Everything starts separating because we split into a society of haves and have-nots. You need to understand, therefore, that once a country goes into recession, racism, uh Far right, far left, the center ground in politics will be vacated. Everything will rush either to the far left or to the far right. That is typical of a recession. Right. Well, you saying, really, Bishop? You're going to give us a history lesson? Yes, I am. going to give us a history lesson today. You must understand that we just celebrated the 75th anniversary of, of the D-Day landing in Normandy which to me was one of the most emotional days, watching that the sacrifices made by so many, I begin to consider what kind of a world we would be living in had those sacrifices not been made and it's inconceivable and we have to thank God and honor the memory of people who laid down their lives and, I, and I'm so grateful but You must understand that wars are are economic phenomenon more than they are political or religious they are economic and that Germany was in depression not just recession but depression when Hitler began uh, promoting his propaganda the world was recovering from the great depression. And therefore, once people are economically depressed, their ears are open to radical ideas. Because if, if the cost of your living is going up, while your wages are going down or disappearing, and round the corner you see people eating, what kind of conversations are you having? Where's the money gone? They say there's no money, but they've got money. Where's all the money gone? All you need now is a radical voice to say, well, that's where the money's gone. And these are conditions that are created. So when I say Joseph saved the kingdom of Egypt from an economic recession and depression, he saved it not just from the economic problem, but from all the social problems that are birthed with economic hardship. Kingdoms are torn apart by economic hardship. This is true on a macro level, it's true on a micro level. Families are torn apart by economic hardship. You need to decide that you're going to win because your family uh, needs to survive not just the hardship of economic struggle, but the, the social impact, the relational impact of economic arguments. But financial arguments have
0: relational impact. Because there's always blame, guilt,
1: disagreement about what is important, priorities. Economic, listen, in good economic times, brother, sit down on the couch, pop whatever it is you want to consume as a beverage, put your feet up and watch football. But when there's no money, Get off the couch! How are you sitting down with your feet up? You're in trouble. All kinds of trouble. So, here's what Joseph did. Joseph. Joseph is brilliant because Joseph did not react to a crisis that was. In play. He predicted the crisis. In this sense. Joseph was a prophet. Yeah. He foretold. A day of crisis. Ahead. Now those of you. Who are familiar with the. Uh, with uh, the. Jehoshaphat battle, will know that a prophet said to a young king who was outnumbered by his enemies, he said, believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. He said, believing the prophets was the key to prosperity. Believing the prophets was the key to your prosperity. Listen to me now. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, believing the prophets is the key to your prosperity. Now, just before I get accused of anything, I'm going to make it very clear. I think there is an epidemic of false prophets in the body of Christ today. Epidemic proportions of necromancers, soothsayers, mentalists, and psychics who have gotten their power from witches and wizards who look you up on Facebook before they get in a pulpit And start to tell you what your name is, who your sister is, and whatever else is going on in your life. And you're here thinking, God's speaking to me, when you are hearing from nothing more than a charlatan who has nothing more on his mind than extracting funds from your life. Now if I could be clearer, I would be, but I think I'm about as clear as I could be.
0: When I say believe the prophets, I'm
1: not talking about believing some guy or some girl that said, thus saith the Lord. It's not very hard to look at a person that's quite established. (laughs) And predict the possibility of pain in your joints. That'll make me a prophet. Unless you spell prophet, P-R-O-F-I-T when i say believe the prophets that's not what i'm talking about what i am talking about is the power of anticipation nobody prospers without anticipation you literally cannot become prosperous until you can project mentally into your own future And while you are trapped in your present, you cannot experience prosperity. Because prosperity is a process that requires time. And if you can't see the end, you can't make the decisions that produce the result. The ability to anticipate a challenge is what makes people prosperous. One eminent scholar referred to this as time perspective. And he said, the determining factor in social mobility is your time perspective. What? Here's what he meant. He meant the longer your time perspective, in other words, the longer your, your, your plot, the time frame for your plan, your strategy, and your decision making, is the more likely you are to move up the social uh, the social economic scale and the shorter your time perspective is the more likely you are to slide down. So he said, put it this way, he said that there are some families that when a baby is born into the family, they open a bank account for the baby, for the baby's university and for their wedding. Now to start saving at the moment of birth, Incrementally, for a wedding that may not happen for 25 years, or for a university course that may not happen for 20 years, means you have long time perspective. These people move up the social economic scale. People now, as you come further down the scale, people stop thinking in terms of decades, and they start thinking in terms of a couple of years and then as you get further down, it's month to month. Let's be honest now, most of us were taught the doctrine, listen to me now, the doctrine of a single income from a secure job, that's what we were taught. We indoctrinated this in school, that your way forward is to get a secure job depend on a singular income, and what happens when you are in that industrial mindset, What happens when you're in that mindset, that frame, which worked in the industrial age, in the first industrial revolution, and does not fit the modern world. But once you actually are in that framework, your time perspective becomes month to month. So you're only thinking about this month. You are trapped in the month. Be be honest now. This month is all I'm, I'm concerned about. I had a person one time ask me to invest a substantial amount of money into a project, a business project. I said, okay, well, let me look at your your plan, let me look at your forecast, let me look at what you're aiming for, and when I looked at his figures, the amount he was asking me to invest was enough to pay the bills for that month. I said, brother, I may have been born at night, But it wasn't last night. I'm not keeping you afloat for a month. Time perspective, one month, then you get right the way down to the bottom of the drug addict, whose time perspective is minutes. I'm living for the next few minutes. My thoughts are obsessed with the next few minutes. My dreams, my desire, my strategy, my decisions are all based on a gratification I can get in the next few minutes. But Joseph, with the wisdom of God inside of him, said, let's project uh, uh, at least seven years into the future. And let's start today on something we're going to need in eight years time. Because we can manage it today. We don't need to wait till it happens to react to it. It is not wisdom to be living your life as a reactionary. You're only you're only reacting because of a failure to see what was inevitably going to come. So can I talk about some inevitabilities for just a moment? Hello, somebody. Can I talk about some inevitabilities for just a moment? Hello somebody. Am I putting you to sleep? I'm going to sleep? Wakey, wakeys! Don't make me bring my water pistol to church! <laughs> okay? If you're single and you are anticipating getting married one day...
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Whoever told you that it's cheap and easy, lied. What did they do? They lied. You start on that now. You don't start on that when you've met someone I you met no one, so I'm gonna pop it. <laughs> seven bad years. And if you want my help, all I can tell you now is to believe me that bad days are coming in the future. Believe the prophet, the anticipation, the forecast, the trend, and start now creating a contingency so that you are liquid in the years of famine. Because let me tell you,
0: there is no bigger opportunity than for you to have liquidity in a famine.
1: No bigger opportunity than for you to have money while the economy is going crazy. Because then you'll pick up houses at prices that nobody would have sold them to you for before. Then you're going to pick up uh, pieces of companies. You're going to pick up things at prices that they would never have been sold up at before. And all Joseph said is, look, Pharaoh, what looks like a crisis is really an opportunity. But it is an op- only an opportunity for the people who are prepared to delay gratification now. Somebody help me preach up in here. Joseph was preaching to Pharaoh the truth of delayed gratification. Listen to me. Nobody makes it at anything who cannot delay gratification. You're not going to get a degree if you can't delay gratification. You're not going to win in sports if you can't uh, delay gratification. You're not going to be an outstanding artist or a professional if you cannot delay gratification. You're not going to have a good relationship if you cannot delay gratification. You're not going to be on the morning line if you cannot delay gratification. You are not going to have anything good in life if you do not start to practice delaying gratification. Say, yes, it would be nice. Yes, I'd love to come out with you tonight. Yes, I would love to do this. Yes, I would love to do that but in the interest of the prophets that are speaking to me about my future I'm going to delay that I'm not denying it I'm just delaying it I'm going to save it till I can afford to enjoy it I told you I'm only going to preach to you the things I wish I knew when I was much younger I was telling you what I wish someone would have screamed at me Instead, they screamed to me, Repent!
0: Get baptized! Get filled with the Holy Ghost! Live a holy
1: life! And get ready for the rapture! So that's what I did. I turned to the midlife. The rapture still hadn't come, but the bills hadn't gone away. I wish they'd have screamed at me to start saving, to start investing. To make sure that in the next bust. You have liquidity. Come on somebody. I wish somebody would have screamed that to me. When I was 17 years old. So I'm screaming it to you. At whatever age you are right now. The wisdom of God said. Look. Prophesy. Anticipate the future. And delay your gratification. By saving a piece of what you have. Because you will have no bigger opportunity. In life than to be liquid in a recession. Everything you can't afford today, you'll afford it then. Because they're desperate, they'll sell it. It's in that situation that someone's going to take a house that's on the market for $400,000 and say, Well, what have you got? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I got I got $200, i will take it. I need it. It's in that day that someone is going to say, You need a car? Because I need to get rid of my car, I need to I need to liquidize some assets, man. I need to I to I need to i, need some, I to sell my car. But your car is a big car, so I swear it's worth thirty five. What happens to you got? <laughs> I got ten, I'll take it. Yeah. God Joseph was teaching Pharaoh to become liquid in a recession. Come on now. Right. Come on now. He said, This recession will work out to your advantage if you delay gratification now, so that when hard times hit, you've got a storehouse full of corn. Yeah. Yeah. This hasn't been helpful to anyone. I might just wasting yeah. Because Isaac is not only here; he's playing. <laughs> but he knows. He knows this. Listen to me. There are two storehouses in your life. Right. Two. How many? Yeah. One is your own savings and investment strategy, All right. where you are keeping yourself a degree of liquidity against the day when you can buy stuff cheap. That's your storehouse on earth. You know what Jesus said about your storehouse on earth? He said, moth and rust will corrupt it. In other words, it's only going to be of use to you on the earth. He said, instead, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. That means I have a heavenly storehouse too. I have a heavenly storehouse too. And listen to me. When you're in recession and you're in hard times. You will need to make a withdrawal from your earthly storehouse. To either invest in something or to survive something. But sometimes what you have in the earthly storehouse is not enough. To meet the challenge. And you're going to need a storehouse in glory that you can draw on and pull a deposit down from heaven. Because there are some recessions that are literally demonic in nature. This one right here is demonic in nature. If I had time, I'd preach. Oh gosh, if I had time, I'd give a history lesson like never before, but I don't have that time. It's demonic. And when it's demonic and it's coming up against you, it's identified you, you're a Christian, it's coming against you. You not only need an earthly store, you need a spiritual store. You need the power of heaven to bless your endeavors. To open doors for you that no man can shut. To create flavor, to give you favor in the sight of key people. And to make ways where there seem to be no way. That is supernatural. And Let me tell you something, surviving a crisis is not all natural. It's supernatural. Believe the prophets listen to me very carefully and if you want to challenge me biblically you go right ahead if you want to challenge me practically you go right ahead these are the facts of my life and yours every act of generosity that a Christian practices is a deposit In a heavenly bank account. Every act of generosity. I didn't just say financial generosity. Random acts of kindness. Become deposits in your heavenly bank account. Generosity. Financial generosity. Is never forgotten by God. Never. We know this in the story of Cornelius and many other stories. When you are generous, what you're doing is you're building up an account balance in heaven. And it's not something for you to draw on in years of plenty. But in years of famine, you can draw on it. You can say, you can say, now, God, I've been soaring up in the earth, but it's not enough. Whatever acts of kindness, whatever generosity I have showed... To your name, to your cause, to your people, I'm calling on it now open the storehouse open the windows of heaven and let it rain right now let it come into my life what I've put out into other people's lives and the Bible says be not deceived God is not mocked whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap if he sows to the spirit he will up the spirit reap everlasting life Paul said if you sow bountifully you'll reap also bountifully but if you sow sparingly you're going to reap also sparingly see I don't just want to be rich to consume on the moth and the rust and I want to be rich because there are people I need to touch lives I need to change things I need to do a mission that I need to be about and when you have your mission in your heart and you are making deposits in your heavenly bank account I want to promise you even in a famine you will sow seed and reap a hundredfold even in a hard time you will begin to prosper and if you want to If this is you, if you would want that the next hard time in your life becomes the best time in your life in which you flourish more than ever before. You know what? Pharaoh came out of the famine richer than he went in. You know that. He came out of the famine richer than he went in. He came out more powerful than he went in because of the wisdom of the prophetic. The prophetic in your life is telling you Get out of this moment and project into your future. And make preparations for a better tomorrow. Don't starve yourself today. Eat today. Don't be like, I'm not eating today because I'm saving for tomorrow, innit? Eat today, but take a piece and put it up against tomorrow. Eat today but don't consume everything you have on today. You're going to help them. Eat today, but put a piece in the heavenly bank account as well against a tomorrow when you're going to need God. It's just about taking a piece. People of faith, since Abraham, have taken one-tenth and said, I'm going to put that in the bank of heaven. I know there's a whole ton of controversy and doctrine around that today. Usually coming from people who never needed a breakthrough from God. <laughs> who want to acad- uh, make academic something that is actually a spiritual principle. People who. Become wealthy, don't become generous after they're wealthy, they become generous before they're wealthy. They practice generosity with what they have. You need any proof of that? Jesus said, he that is faithful with a little will be faithful with a lot. He didn't say, he that is faithful with a lot will be faithful with a little. He said, faithfulness starts with a little. Generosity, philanthropy starts where you are. So he said, what? Yeah, when I'm rich, yeah? I'm going to do so much. No, you're not. You're going to do exactly what you're doing right now. This is too deep. This is too deep for one sermon. I'm in love with my message here. <laughs> You better sign up, because I'll never quit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I want to pray for everyone under the hearing of my voice today. I want you to lift your hands. I'm going to pray some very prophetic prayers today. I am going to pray some very outrageous, audacious prayers today for you. I'm going to pray that you win. I'm going to pray that you win the economic war that's raging over your life. I'm going to pray that you become a person of substance, a person of power, a person that is able to be, do, or have any dream that God put in your heart. I'm going to pray that poverty will not be your portion. I'm going to pray that debt will not bind you. I'm going to pray that. That your cup will overflow and I want to pray that it all comes out of your financial wisdom, your wisdom and your walk with God. Lift your hands up to the Father right now. Sweet Holy Spirit of the Living God you are the divine comforter you are the one that is helping us, resourcing us, enabling us, equipping us We can't do this without you. We can't live this life without you. We can't walk this way without you. But you have entered our soul. You have filled our lives. And we are drawing now on a spiritual resource of wisdom. The prophetic. The ability to anticipate. To look into our own future. And to begin making preparations for a better tomorrow. Father, we are praying that today a captive will be liberated. We're praying that today blind eyes will be open. We're praying that today the oppressed will go free. We are praying that today will be a day of deliverance and salvation for someone on an economic level as the wisdom of God enters into us. For it is written, if anyone lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally to all and does not withhold it. And God, we know you are not withholding wisdom from us now. We pray, Father, that we will, in the light of your word, begin to make sound decisions, that we will begin to implement sound principle, that we will begin to hunger after information, understanding, knowledge, and strategy, that we will not be reactive, but that we will be proactive in the way that we manage our our and steward our own destinies. Father, we are praying today that in this house, you will raise up those that will command great wealth we are praying in the name of Jesus that wealth will spring out of this house 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 house. we are praying Lord for our futures We're praying for our children and for their children. We are praying in the name of Jesus that we will create platforms in our day. That we will create instruments in our day. That we will create vehicles in our day. That we will create an asset base in our day. That will give our children an opportunity and an advantage. In the name of Jesus Christ. We are praying that we be delivered from every psychology that lends itself to poverty. Every psychology that lends itself to mediocrity. And that instead you will impregnate us with purpose, with passion, with prophetic vision, and with prosperity in our hearts. Be glorified, be magnified, be exalted. In Jesus' name we have prayed. All the people said amen. All the people said amen. amen. Amen is my
0: prayer for you. You've been listening to a live sermon at ICANN Community Church. We hope that you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you, whether you attend ICC or not. Of course, we would love for you to visit or even to join. And if that's not possible, we can still stay in touch go to our website at www.icabcommunitychurch.com and subscribe to our mailing list for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you. Until next time, this is Bishop Wayne Malcolm saying God bless you.